The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya. And uh, Jerry, I, I knew this day was coming. And I knew it was potentially Friday, which is we started to get some movement in the precious metals. Silver today, as we're recording the show on a Friday, is, is around $20.50 U.S. spot price. Gold is trading around eighteen sixty-five, which is about $30 up. And on silver, we're up about 40, 35, 40 cents. Um, I guess the interesting part of this week was that Canada left interest rates where they were which I think was supposed to help Canadians, (laughs) but it tanked our dollar. And so now we're spending um, over 5% more for everything coming in out of the States. And we're we're basically importing their inflation. That's right. Um, What was your reaction to that? It was anticipated. And, you know, we were expected to halt because backing up, we look at the central bank, the Bank of Canada, reporting its first loss ever in history last year. Um, So they're cornered. They have to cut. They have to halt. Now, mind you, the Bank of Canada, one of the governors or uh, one of the deputy governors uh, mentioned that this is a conditional thing that we had to halt now. But if things get worse, uh, if inflation continues to rise, they're going to hike interest rates once again. So we'll see what they what what they're doing, what they're what they're saying, and versus what they're doing. Um, I think the the Central Bank of Canada is trapped, just like all the other central banks but, out there. But would you have preferred if they just raised it a quarter point, and then that way um, our dollar wouldn't have gone down and we wouldn't be paying that much more for anything that we import? That's a good question. Um, we'll, you know, it would definitely be of benefit regarding our imports, um, and you know, but you know, from an economic standpoint and our exports, I mean. Whatever manufacturing we have left in Canada, um, they usually say a weaker currency is better for your exports. You know, it's easier for it makes it cheaper for those who are importing your goods. But ultimately, it's 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 just very negative. We're doing we're mass importing now in Canada, so this yeah. is going to overall you know hurt the overall economy. Yeah, I think maybe at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. the 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 money or the currency was created. The debts were already in place. Now we're just watching it all unfold, and that's where the physical precious metals come in as a way to hedge against this loss of purchasing power on the metals. Um, I want to get your take on um, on what's been happening in the 200-day moving average on the metals. We saw specifically silver come down to the 200-day moving average, move a little bit below. Did you make anything of it? Should we be paying attention to that? Um, did it mean anything to you? Not really, Jeremy, because again, we're we also we're, we're watching those prices of gold and silver in U.S. dollars. We're Canadians, so we have to be mindful of what the loonies doing. So even though we may see dips in the U.S. dollar, uh, dips rather in gold and silver in U.S., the loonies also dropping in value. If we look back at the loonie over the course of one month from February the 1st, we're down 600 basis points, almost 6%. Right. So you're losing purchasing power. Yeah, you can try to grab the dip, but remember your loonies are also dipping as well. So the game of trying to catch the dip in physical precious metals, you're kind of defeats the purpose. You're here to 
you're looking at precious metals to hedge against your currency depreciation and de currency devaluation, and then hedging against all the other risks out there. So I, I definitely understand the idea of uh, not trying to time the market and dollar. if the dollar moves down, you know, our dollar gets weaker, the U.S. gets stronger, there's an offset to the market coming down. I noticed that in the US, in the Canadian price of silver, it was still, you know, 30, you know, a silver maple was still like $34 an ounce Canadian. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't that we were getting a crazy deal. I also noticed that on the gold price performance chart, for instance, right. um, still positive. Yeah. Uh, gold was positive on the year. Uh, it's positive last year, positive so far this year. So obviously that's more reflection of the lack of purchasing power of the Canadian dollar, that the Canadian dollar is falling, mm -hmm. and therefore the price the price performance in gold is doing quite well, or it's right. hanging in there. Right. And on, more on the back... On regarding the news on the Canadian dollar last year, I mean, this this week, rather, uh, on Wednesday, the Bank of Canada raised or did not raise interest rates. But two days prior was Jay Powell. So the Federal Reserve chairman testified at Cong before Congress um, Monday, Tuesday. And I don't know if you guys caught my call last week, but I mentioned that could be a good buying opportunity because Jay Powell, when he comes to the microphone, whether it be in front of Congress or on the stage uh, for FOMC meetings, he's talking up the U.S. dollar, bringing right. metals down, pressuring uh, gold and silver. So we did see that weakness um, in gold and silver prior to the Bank of Canada move. So we actually had an opportunity to really buy that dip for Canadians on Monday and Tuesday. And congratulations to those clients who, you know, listened to what I had to say and actually purchased on Monday and Tuesday because Wednesday the loonie started to drop. So congrats on those clients that and, bought this week. You know, for me, I, I see it as a range. I see it as a price range between, you know, we're in the low 20s right now. I think the whole price range is about getting above $28. So anything you're going to buy in this range, I think in years to come, when we're looking at triple digit silver where I think eventually this goes, it's not gonna matter so much whether you bought it at $24 an ounce or $28 an ounce. It's gonna matter that you purchased it in that range. You'll look mm -hmm. back on the charts and you'll say, I got yeah. it in that range, yeah. right? I know everyone's probably price conscious when they're trying yeah. to get into the market for the first time and uh, that makes sense, of course. But in, in the fullness of time, it's about, it's about the stack. It's about how many ounces you do have and being able to say, I have this many ounces, and what can that buy me right. in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully hopefully with silver, it'll be a house. That's right. How, how many How many did you figure it should be? 2000, well, at the end of 1980, which was the end of the stagflationary cycle, you needed just about 2,065 ounces of, of silver to buy a house, the average price. And what is it today, probably? It's got to be like 25,000 or 30,000. Yeah, it's about eight times that. Yeah, which is, you know, speaking of that, times, times multiples. that multiples. I was talking to someone this week about real estate and um, they were saying that, you know, the banks in Canada, what, what they did is they said, okay, instead of it, instead of us lending you three times earnings, can't quite remember the number, but it was like, well, we're going to make that seven times earnings or eight times earnings. So all of a sudden, you know, if you made $200,000, they're like, we'll give you a, we'll give you a million. Right. That's five times. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it was like one point two is six times. And that's what they were giving in this conversation. What I was saying, my standpoint was, well, that that seems like predator lending to me. 
others would say, oh no, it's just it's just the banks, it's just the banks reacting to the marketplace that prices have gone high enough that you now need to to say, okay, well, you can't buy a house for three times earnings. It has to be much more than that in today's mm-hmm. in today's world. Mm-hmm. You know the the old it is what it is, Jerry. It's all just a phenomenon, and we're just reacting to it. What would what would your stance be in a conversation like that? I'm, I'm curious. Well, ultimately, the banks are in the business to try to make money and and keep money in the banking system. And if it requires them advising someone that they can handle that particular debt, the debt to you know the debt to the asset ratio, then you know then the client may say, you know what, I could take that debt. I'll I'll run with it and I'll try to roll the dice and see if this can continue because the track record um, as the banks try to show will continue the trend is your friend is what they say but ultimately the cycles in in real estate uh, and debt and we look at the debt situation in canada the debt load that canadians are are you know are, are resting on are trying to manage it's a, it's a juggle and you know the banks will pass that information on and people may make a really you know, unsound, you know, unsound decisions with their wealth. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. You know, look if you, if you if the banks want to say we're just following along with the markets. That's just how the market is. Um, you know, saying it is what it is. The problem is is that people just trust the bank. They say if the bank is willing to lend me this money, then it's cool. I can I can borrow that money. I'm. I'm able to borrow that money. They said it was okay. Now, if you end up borrowing all this money and all of a sudden inflation hits, which we said it would, anyone who's been listening to this show for the last 10 years that knew that it, it had already hit and it's going to continue to hit as, as it is right now, and all of a sudden, okay, now you're putting all of your effort in buying your basics and you're having a tough time covering the mortgage, mm-hmm. well, who takes the blame? Is the bank going to take the blame? Absolutely not. They're absolutely not going to take the blame, but they said it was okay. So now we have a fundamental trust issue with banks, whether or not it was intentional. Mm-hmm. We have a fundamental trust issue mm-hmm. with the banks, and that leads to a whole yeah. Pandora's box of trust issues. And credibility. Look right? about the credibility of money. Right. Right. What's the credibility of our money? Let's let's talk about this more in the next segment. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. We are talking about real money, not fiat currencies. We're talking about real money that is dictated by supply demand, geopolitical risk, um, the currency mm-hmm. devaluations. Not money devaluation, but currency devaluations. So we'll get into that and much, much more here on The Real Money Show on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. At Guildhall, we only deal in physical precious metals. We have a motto, if you can't hold it, you don't own it. You can buy it direct from Guildhall. You can make an appointment, come to the office. You can uh, acquire your metal over the phone. and uh, Or you can even go to our e-store, guildhallpreciousmetals.com. If you're looking for uh, more storage, we do have that. We work with Brinks, fully allocated, fully segregated. And uh, the product has has the serial numbers recorded so that the client has their itemized inventory report. It's kind of like a warehouse receipt and they own and control that product all the time, can take delivery anytime, can go and audit their product. And then we take that and we put it 
take that same vehicle and we use it for the RSP so clients can hold their own physical precious metals, an actual asset that you can hold in your hand in your registered account like a TFSA, an RSP, an RESP, etc. And you can have that physical asset in a registered account held outside the banking system, which is great. So in the last segment, Jerry, we were talking about that banks raised how much they would lend people when interest rates were low. And by the way, that does make sense because if you were lending out 400,000 at 5% and then all of a sudden um, interest rates drop, you have to lend out that much more to get the same interest returned. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that they would up how much they would continue to lend people. The question was, is were they looking far enough out into the future to look out for Canadians and say, maybe you shouldn't be borrowing all of this? If interest rates, if interest rates rise, but remember, you know, you had politicians telling you interest rates are low and they're not going to go higher. And even when there was transitory inflation, they said, no, it's, it's transitory. It's not, we're not going to have to fight inflation. Well, anyone who was listening to the real money show knew this was coming. Yeah. So now you have a question of trust and the banking system, trust in the banks. They, did they give you the right advice? right? Is it their responsibility? I think as Canadians, we always just assume, oh, you're conservative, you're a bank, you're just, you're going to look out for my best interest, because it's Canada, we're conservative. Mm -hmm. But is that the case? I think we'll still find out. Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't pretend to know how many people have are in over their heads with mortgages, or rather are being so hard, harshly affected by inflation, whether it's, you know, grocery shopping, or energy prices, or just the cost of everything mm -hmm. rising that it starts to bleed into, well, what can I afford now? Right. So trust in the banks, I think, is going to become more and more of an issue, especially since, you know, with the convoy and certain certain accounts being locked, and that 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 also becomes a big trust issue. So what do you think is happening in the banks? Are they doing anything to gain more trust? Or, or is what's happening in the markets today an indication that this this is this is a trend that's going to continue? Yeah, the the risks that are that are paramount and they're mounting in the banking system are just getting worse and worse. We're seeing the FDIC in panic mode, potentially the CDIC in panic mode. Um, they were caught, you know, behind the scenes. There was a video talking about how the FDIC is, you know, focused and they're worried about. Uh, potential bank runs and you know talking about bail-ins and these things these are topics of conversation that the FDIC members are having and this was weeks ago and if we fast forward today I have headlines just you know bank dominoes really are falling okay um, you know coming from um, Wall Street on parade once again dot com yeah. um, writers Pam Martins and Russ they the first line if you keep a diary or a news journal, be sure to write down today, March 9th, 2023, March Madness, as the day that a full-blown bank run at non-traditional banks in the U.S. has begun. Bank depositors are already nervous because a few weeks ago, Silvergate Bank announced um, that they were closing and liquidating. They lost about 90% of its stock value. They were the ones that were involved with the cryptocurrencies, com crypto companies, in including Sam Bankman Freed's FTX and, and Alameda Research. Now, for the second time in two weeks, depositors are panicking over the fate of another federally insured bank, this time Silicon Valley Bank. But instead of going after the crypto 
crypto space. They're actually, their niche is in venture capital outfits. So this is one of the banks, and, as we, and it's actually impacting and acting like a domino effect to other banks. We're noticing the entire bank stock in index is down huge overnight. Deposits are literally leaving the back door or rolling into other options. Um, so if you look at the, the list of contagion that's happening here, we have First Republic Bank in San Francisco down 16.5%. Then you have Phoenix-based Western Alliance Bank Corp losing 35%. New York Bank's uh, Signature Bank down 21%. It just, the list goes on. And this begs the question, let's, let's look back at the bank. You know, how do these deposits really work? So Investopedia wrote, the deposit itself is a liability owned by the bank to the depositor. Bank deposits refer to this liability rather than to the actual funds that have been deposited. For example, when someone opens a bank account and makes a cash deposit, this person surrenders the legal title to the cash and it becomes an asset of the bank. In turn, the account is a liability of the bank. This begs the, you know, the reader and the listener to go into and find out what type of banking system do we have here and globally. It's a fractional reserve bank and historically we had to have they had to have at least 10% down in order to loan out or invest the other 90%. Right. Then they brought it down to 3%. And then the, the pandemic happened. They lowered that ratio from Well, because it was a crisis. It was a crisis, you, could, you know, once one and crisis justified. Crises come along and you have to deal with them, but it always seems to be an, a, a, a considered an opportunity for some people. Right. Or or systems. Exactly, and, and they took the opportunity to lower that reserve ratio requirement down from 3% to zero. So today, banks do not need to hold any of our deposits. Is that in Canada too? Do you know? Yeah. And, well, this is the Fed. There's a U.S. Fed. And this is okay. the reason why. I mean, we've been saying, critics of interest rate hike cycles, that they're going to keep going until something breaks. And I think literally today, we're marking the beginning of March Madness. <laughs> You know, it's not no longer NCAA. It's this is bank-run crises here that's happening right before our eyes. This is like, this is like the biggest story since the G GFC. This is the great financial crisis how all happening all over again. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. I heard that Credit Suisse was upping deposit interest in an attempt to get more deposits in for collateral. So that's. Is that something that we'll see down the road? Because that, to me, is also a sign of panic. Um, the GIC it, at five percent. We talked about this couple, couple weeks ago. That you know, Canadians are being offered a rate that we haven't seen in such a long time. Five percent GIC. Lock me in. I want to be in that for one year. Give me that five point. Meanwhile, inflation's well north of eight, ten, twelve percent, perhaps. So you're negative after one year. You're you're back into that leaky sinking boat of the loony. So a GIC, in my opinion, is not the way to go, not the way to protect your wealth. Um, you need to get out of these financials, and this is one way. Bank runs is something that, you know, it's like a Ponzi scheme. And, you know, the C.D. Howe Institute, which is one of the largest think tanks in Canada, wrote about the Canadian pension plan being a Ponzi scheme, that it's, we're relying on more and more employees to benefit, and then the, the government has to match. Well, what were the, what were the, the employment numbers? Yeah, are, are they going better. up? Well, the employment numbers came out today, and this was the, the heavily. In other words, in other words, are, are the numbers there to to fulfill um, the pension plans? Not at all. Okay. If you 
Yeah, look into the pensions right now, the malinvestment that they've took. And this is probably the reason why they needed to lower the reserve requirements down to 0% it's, so they can take more of these, you know, roll the dice with our wealth. I'm, I'm surprised they never got into gold. It was always, you know, we've spoken to people, you know, thousands of people about precious metals and the the overarching impression that that the investment world has is that it's volatile and da 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 da, da. It doesn't pay an interest a dividend and then you sit there and you look at the gold price performance over the last 20 years and there's been what four down years uh three of which were all well under five percent so they were nominal right. kind of unchanged sort of uh returns for the year and yet it's up over 325, close to 350% over a 20-year period. I mean, that seems to be an asset that if you're diversifying a portfolio, you would want to have. Mm -hmm. But they absolutely did not want to have these assets in the portfolio. And you could only imagine that if they decided, and not just a pension fund, but any fund decided we are going to move 5% into our, into our portfolios. We're mm -hmm. going to just start diversifying a little bit I mean, wealthy individuals do it. Right. They understand. You talked about, you know, rolling over your options, and uh, that you're that when you put cash into a bank, um, you're, you're a liability to them. Whereas if you hold physical precious metals, there's no counterparty risk. It's your asset. You're, it's nobody's liability. That's right. It's your asset. It's your it's your money. It's your wealth, um, and nobody has a claim on it. So I just think that um, it would be crazy to think that when the time finally comes that the rollover where people decide or entities decide and funds decide that they need to have some physical metal where where does that push the price up when when everybody's trying to get into this tiny market all at once mm -hmm. and and for everything that it that is said about the market the the physical gold and silver market are small markets very very small compared to the amount of financial instruments and investments are out there. You have trillions, hundreds of trillions of paper investments versus 1.5 trillion of investable gold. So if you have a, just a fraction of a percent coming into, or if, you know, 1% coming in from the financials globally into the gold market, you will squeeze that gold market. You will squeeze those paper derivatives, those short markets, those short, the paper shorts, and you'll literally destroy those shorts and those contracts. Okay, so speaking of that, um, uh, Bix Weir, who I'm starting to like again. There was a time I didn't really, I, I couldn't get into what he was talking about, but I'm starting <laughs> to like him again. Um, he seems to be doing some good research again in the metals, and that's why I liked him in the beginning, the whole Road to Ruta series. Right. And there was in investigations into things, and he was doing some great research. So... Um, he, he's come out recently and he's talking about that what we've been seeing over the last few weeks is again, an opportunity for, um, for entities to get onto the right side of the play that they've been short in the market. And by pushing the price down, which we've all seen before by pushing the price down, they're able to get out of those short positions. But the problem has been that the comics has not been reporting mm, over the last few right. weeks because because they were apparently hacked and therefore their systems have been down for nearly a month or more. So we haven't yet gotten the reporting. Maybe it comes out today. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. So, you know, they've been able to do a lot of things cloaked in darkness, mm -hmm. but let's talk about this in the, in the next segment. Uh, just remember, you can avoid reality.
but you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. And so we have to have a clear sense of what reality is and not live in a false sense of reality. And that's what real money does. It's truth. You right. cannot deny it. You can cover it over, right? You can pretend it doesn't exist, but the emperor has no clothes. And over time, common sense is showing that gold and silver are real money. It's being remonetized the world over. Mm -hmm. Incredible. We'll talk about it in the next segment. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. In the last segment, we were talking about about squeezes, short squeezes, and that um, perhaps part of what we're seeing, you know, whenever you see a drop in the market, Jerry, you can say, okay, I, I was listening to some videos, watching some videos, um, and you could say, okay, between the end of September all the way through mid-January, both gold and silver went on a pretty good run. They were up over 20% each, and so it would be natural to see some... Um, consolidation, some pullbacks, retesting, those type of things. Yeah, okay, I can get behind that. Technically, mm -hmm. you say, okay, markets come down, the dollar, US dollar was strong. You could look at a fundamental like that and say, all right, there's gonna be a period where the metals might be weaker for a, a little while because the dollar's been getting stronger. Sense, yeah. You know, the narrative that these interest rate climbs are working and the economy didn't break yet, which we still believe the, the economy will break. The, the Fed is not gonna save the day. Um, we've seen too much from them to know that's, that's the case. <laughs> that's so true. And, um, or you could also say what you and I have seen many times in this market is a panic selling on the part of the short sellers to get onto the right side of the trade because mm -hmm. something's coming, mm -hmm. something big is coming. And you've got to think that something big is coming. There's been a kind of a, a, a slow period here for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And something's got to be coming down the pike here that they would push the price of silver down to, you know, almost almost under $20. We really I'm hung in to. there. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Maybe next week they, they, they get the job done. But for now, the market's moving back up. But there you have it. Are we yeah. going to find out, Jerry, that the short positions, which open interest is already at something like a 10-year low. Yeah. So you've got a 10-year low. It's near the near the 200-day moving average. Um, it's oversold. Right. It's retested from from moving up. Everything is in place to say. I mean, how much more? It's not reacting to anything else. Mm -hmm. But could it be? With all that said, that it's just the short positions trying to get out. Not just, but yes, the the short the short positions must get out and they're trying they're they're trying to do as much as possible smash that price down whenever possible use a news news feed or news uh, a news item to justify the smash downs like the non-farm payroll that was supposed to do that but the banking system right now is under fire the banking system spotlight is is literally you know taking center stage and this this is you know bring in the 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 fact that the, the interest rate hikes have hurt the market so much, they've hurt the banking sector so much that it's fast-forwarding things now. Now we can potentially see a breaking happening, happening and bailouts and potential bail-ins and money printing. Once again, the tightening is, is literally coming to an end. The, the traders are pricing in 
now only one rate hike going into next year, they're lowering it. They're lowering their forecast. They're okay. lowering their anticipation of Federal Reserve interest rate we're hikes. Moving, we're moving closer and closer to your pivot. Yeah, this is going to be the, the big pivot that, that must happen. And couple in the fact that the, the shorts are going to be squeezed out, and then you have an inflationary run-up and a central bank failure. This is going to be the biggest run that will end those short positions, end those contracts, and potentially cause a default with the COMEX. And that's why the LME, LME the London Metals Exchange, the, the ongoing saga with their nickel contract debacle is still in the news. Um, JP Morgan, we know that they were in the news as well, not just because of the nickel issue, but because of you know servicing the Epstein clientele for, for almost a decade and a half. These things are causing massive deposits to run out of the banking system. And when you have these type of cracks, we have to be very mindful, just like Janet Yellen is. She says that she is monitoring a few banks, and whenever she speaks, we just have to laugh and chuckle here but and because no one believes her. Her credibility is actually gone. <laughs> we remember quotes back in the day when she was saying back in 2017. They'd never see a crash again. That we will never see another <laughs> oh, financial God. crisis in our lifetimes is what <laughs> she God, said. Yeah. And then what happened? The repo crisis I memory happened. hold that one, Jerry. I memory <laughs> hold that one. Yeah. It, it hurt so much. And then the COVID lockdown happened. And then she also said, I don't think the dollar has any serious competition and is not likely to go for a long time. But then we have the BRIC nations doing what they're doing. And the hegemony for the dollar is another nail in the coffin. But all that. you have to do is back your dollar with gold and revalue gold. And you're, you're all going to get back onto a level playing field, which is, which is the real answer. The, 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 the one alternative which is not going to be the answer is to go to some sort of central bank digital currency that's backed by nothing and think that people are going to continue to believe you. I mean, how how dumb do, do they think people really are? And I always think that people can have a, a tremendous propensity for change very, very quickly when it matters. Yep, and they right. can gather together very, very quickly when it matters. And all you have to do, and I know you're not going to get it on your, your mainstream media, but you can see the protests around the world happening with regard to pensions, with regard to anything. And most of it's monetary based. And the 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 dollar is a fickle thing, and trust in the dollar is a fickle thing. And it can be eroded rapidly, and people are having a massive wake-up call right now due to inflation. Now, the only thing that needs to be connected with regard to that, Jerry, mm -hmm. is I think to many, many people, inflation is just a natural phenomenon. That it's just something that, that happens without any circumstance. But that's not the case. It is a monetary problem. You've printed too much money or you've created too many zeros. You've created too much debt. And, the, and people, people thought they had more money, but they don't, right? You know, there's that you're richer than you think. No, you're not. Now, here's the thing. Gold is money. What do you have in your bank account? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, our, that's our new tagline. Yeah. You know, gold is actual, silver is actual money. What, are you, what do you have in your account? A fiat currency, a liability to the bank? Digital right? ones and zeros. It's time to diversify. Now, w uh, I know you, you had an article there about where we're headed because when this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, before we get to that, Jerry, uh, industrial side of it, I was having a conversation with a client today. There is such a win-win on the industrial side of precious metals because if we go towards electric cars, which are very problematic, solar power, all of these type of things, wind power, they all have their problems, and yet... 
so much silver would have to go into them. Yeah. So much silver that's not physically available on the planet Earth <laughs> that that these kind of green policies are destined to fail because they're not taking into consideration the supply demand. They're just simply not using a little bit of logic to say, well, how much silver would we require mm -hmm. to accomplish these four goals of right. electric, electric cars, solar power, wind power, etc.? No, it, it's not going to happen. So if we move in that direction, silver skyrockets. Yep. Right. Either way, you're still putting silver into technology, and you're going to have to save yourselves with with um, with the real money. And this is important to remember that when supplies can't can't keep up with demand, prices ultimately will go higher, especially for an asset such as silver, which is crucially important in almost every industrial sector. Um, the Silver Institute reported that the silver manufacturers will require over 20 percent by 2027 of the current annual su silver supply, and by 2050, 20 years from now, or 30 years from now, solar panel production could use most of the global reserves in silver. So I mean, economics 101, guys, silver is heading higher, demand will continue, continue higher, and supplies year over year are just dropping, so and this who, is huge. And who was the name? Silver that, Institute. That was Silver Institute? But where were they saying the price is going? Or was that the different interview? And this is another interview, Stansbury Research. It was Garrett Goggin. He said the, sil the production is down for silver every year and the demand keeps heading up and up. The usage of silver is going parabolic and astronomic. Get ready for triple digit silver, says Garrett Goggin. So huge news, tremendous top set potential. Triple digit silver is what we've been talking about for a long time, but we couple in the supply and demand factors everything's moving in the right direction. Nice. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Stick around. We'll be right back on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website, guildhallwealth.com. Really exciting to hear, Jerry, in the last segment that um, silver could go to triple digits. I don't think that's difficult when you think about the debts that have been created and again the money that's been um, printed out of thin air everything costs more it would only be natural that one of those things that would cost more would be precious metals silver in particular and then you couple that with the supply supply side being it's only going to get more difficult to get it's going to be more difficult to mine if you're if you're employing environmental concerns or geopolitical risks, which is that's the environment we live in, then it's only going to get even harder. Right. And then you have the the actual demand side, which is whether it's green energy technologies, monetary side of things. You know, Turkey imported thousands of tons. Um, India imported thousands of tons of silver last year. The Central banks are only going to continue to demand physical precious metals. Um, I believe there was another one. Uh, Singap Singapore. Singapore was importing a lot of gold recently as well. So let's talk about building a portfolio. Let's talk about brass tacks. How does someone get involved in the market? If they're brand new to the market, where should they start? And then let's talk about some, um, you know, in individuals who may, um, you know, of varying economic degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, first, you want to see have a discussion with Guildhall about that, discuss budget and things like that. 
If you don't own any precious metals, you want to get some today, right now. That would be my my message. Um, if you have a smaller budget, get yourself some silver maples like these. Right on our desk, you have 25 one-ounce silver maples. This is a must. This is you know taking care of the the whole barter and trade. What if what if scenarios? Yeah, the Mad Max scenarios. The Mad Max scenarios. Then you have the larger bars, which are more economical, just as liquid. Everything that we sell here at Guildhall is liquid regarding precious metals. Buying and selling is done on a phone call, very quick. So building up to a, a good balanced portfolio, whether it be with silver, gold, and the natural fancy color diamond. Um, in and outside of the RSPs is, is, a, is a definite conversation that, that we have to employ as well. So we just build it up. So, you know, we're, we're big into crawl, walk, run. Yep. Get your feet wet with something, whether it be a tube of silver maples, an ounce of gold. Just start to understand that it's, it's real money. It's a retail fabricated product. It's not an investment. Uh, understanding the costs, getting that first invoice, saying, oh, okay, now I understand how this works. And then you can quickly move into other sectors. So let's let's take an example of... Uh, diversifying, um, you know, 150,000 into precious metals. For us, we just did a quick calculation. We'd be looking at something like 25 ounces of gold, a thousand ounces of silver, and perhaps a vivid yellow diamond. Which a vivid yellow, look, it it's the strongest color of vivids is yellow. Um, vivid yellow diamond is the strongest color, which means it's the most rare. You're looking at point zero zero. 1% of all yellows to get to that wow. kind of rarity of a vivid um, that would be also internally flawless. So for us, we want to aim for the strongest color, strongest cuts, um, obviously balanced cuts, and also internally flawless. Vivid, we can make a, a couple uh, concessions, but mostly we're going to go for internally flawless. And a diamond like that is going to be around $55,000. Uh, you're looking at maybe 50 diamonds like that a year come to market. So it is extremely rare. You're starting to see those numbers move up at auction as well. So a hard asset, a luxury asset, but also a very, very rare asset. And that's what you want. That's what's mm -hmm. going to guarantee that you don't lose any money. Remember, the, the idea here is to not lose anything, but over time that the value continues to increase. And so that's, that's the colored diamond side. For building up a portfolio, you could, you could have a little bit that you take home, maybe a little bit that you put in a safety deposit box, maybe a little bit that you use our vault, or maybe you're using your RSP to diversify a portion of the portfolio. So it doesn't have to be all in one place, right? Right, not at all. You do wanna have, it's, it's about even you know, diversifying your holdings, some here, some there. That's a very important topic that we cover as well in our, in our consultations is how you're holding it and making sure that you're, you know the potential risks of holding it in a safety deposit box. So I don't personally believe in holding my hedge against the banks in the bank. So having it at a safety deposit box for me doesn't work. I'd much rather have it in my possession or in the vault outside of the banking system, understanding that you know, I'm building my portfolio in hard assets, number one. What is my hard asset? It's got to be gold. It's got to be precious metals. These things that have intrinsic value. They've had value for thousands of years, and they will continue to have value for central banks and wealthy families, the monarchy. You know, you look at wealthy families throughout generations. This is the way they've, they've been doing it. They've been not, they weren't using stock markets. They were using hard assets. So having a strategic 
asset like gold being the foundation, a natural fancy color diamond as a foundation to protect against the devaluation of currency is key to begin. And then you have a tactical position in precious metals, which is you're going to be your money maker. This is the one that will go parabolic when 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 the markets do break out. Silver is such a, a much smaller above ground ounces in silver huge industrial demand. So having a nice balanced hard asset portfolio built by uh, Guildhall, and we have that conversation, um, will ensure that you're not losing, but that you're positioned right, balanced the right way, and positioned for what lies ahead. Triple digit silver is coming up. <laughs> the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. That does it for another edition of The Real Money Show. Thank you, Jerry. Can't wait to speak to everyone next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.